What's going on, Just Goes to Show listeners? It's your co-host, Ridge. We're back with another epi, second one of the new year. What's going on, Chris? Not much, man. Watched a lot of Prem this weekend, uh, a lot. And, uh, man, like I know we talked last week about how good this season's been and how exciting it's been. Last weekend just kind of amplified it. Um, we're recording this a little under two hours after the final whistle in the Palace United game, which was an awesome watch, a really late equalizer for Palace that got me really fired up. So uh, ready to, to discuss the, the recent events and, um, you know, dive into some transfers as well and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, I think that's a good insight into what we'll cover today. So we're going to cover just, uh, there were a lot of derbies going on in London, um, in London, in the UK um, last weekend. So we're going to talk about some of those key matchups, um, then give an overall update on the transfer window. There's a lot of business happening in middle of January. I feel like there usually isn't this much. Um, and then the return of the fantasy corner um, for some of those listeners who have a fantasy agenda for this podcast. Um, I'm presenting trivia to Chiss this week. Um, it's good trivia, so I did quite a bit of research. And then uh, we'll jump to the Predictor app to close it out. Um, as a reminder, you can join uh, our league and predict picks for free each week on the NBC Sports Predictor app. Um, so, Chris, I guess pivoting all the way back to Derby recaps, there were two big ones, right? We had the North London Derby with Spurs and Arsenal, and that we had the the Manchester Derby with United and Man City. Um, I think one result went as expected and one didn't. So let's first go with the one that went started. I think went as expected, um, and that was the two nil Arsenal result. Um, your takeaways from from watching the game? You know, I I don't really think that we learned a ton from this match. Um, because as you said, it went as expected. Arsenal were really, really good right out of the gates. Um, I, I got to watch the full 90 on both of these matches, fortunately. And it was like very, very evident in the first 15 minutes that Saka was going to be on the ball a lot. And uh, that, that showed when he got the... He didn't get any credit for that first goal, the Larissa own goal, but he made the play um, on that one. And, um, you know, they looked really confident, really strong, a lot of creativity they really like they took it to spurs and, and it felt like they kind of could do whatever they wanted to in possession and you just got to see really odegaard and Saka shine as they have uh pretty much all season but especially as of late spurs again looking shaky not looking great going forward sun pretty ineffective kane playing really deep a lot of the time not really getting a lot of opportunities and uh, it was kind of same old same old for both of these teams but you still have to give credit to Arsenal. It's a derby. They go away to Spurs, put in a dominant performance, 2-0. It never looked like it was really going to go any other way. So I wouldn't say I learned a lot, but it just, it just kind of reinforced some beliefs I had about both of these teams at this point um, more than anything. Yeah, I think, you know, assessing the game, there were I kept thinking, wow, Arsenal can beat you in so many ways, right? Like Saka can, can take the ball down the wing, cross it in. Right, um, they can play very intricate football through the middle. Um, oh, you know, uh, Partey can have a hit from distance. Yeah, which he, Shaka he, can have a hit from distance. Partey hit post on one and shook the whole stadium. I mean, he he can do that. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they have a lot of different weapons and they play so well as a unit together that it seems like it just seems like they're always on the same page. You know, um, it's free. Yeah. It's free flowing, and, and it's it, they make it look easy. 
Right. And so there's just so many different routes to goals in that team. And, and you know, if they, if they need to, they can play it over the top to Nketiah, who's got blistering pace, or, or Martinelli on the left side. And then Zinchenko can play as a fullback, or he can cut in, you know, cut in and be an inverted wing back. And so I, I just think the team can beat you in a lot of different ways, and they get goals in a lot of different patterns of play. And then you look at Spurs, and it's like the exact opposite, right? Like, you, you absolutely know they're going to play the wingback system. They're going to kind of, you know, soak up pressure and then spring the ball into the wide spaces. Harry Kane will drop deep, um, overlapping runs, uh, you know, from, from those, the wide wingers and then hopefully the wingbacks as well. And it's just the same patterns of play every time with Spurs, you know? Um, and, and it's walking Spurs into this, continue you know this like weird abyss that they're at right now which is like what do you do if you're them you've got arguably the best center forward in the world and harry kane you've got you know son who's getting up there a little bit in age um you know kulisevsky and um and richarlison are younger um they've got a you know they they brought in players to play at the wingback position right like i just don't know what they do they commit to conte give him another five years is he there forever or, you know, do they recycle and, you know, recharge and go again next season with like a different approach, like pick up Marco Silva or, you know, or something? I don't know what they do. Yeah, I mean, maybe I, I think there's a couple of things that I feel strongly about with Spurs. I mean, Conte is very rigid with his his style, right? He's not a manager that's going to change his tactics often or shape them based off the players he has. He has a system. He plays this wingbacks. Everyone knows what he's going to do. And that system can work. Um, it's it's very counterattacking, but when you don't defend well, like you, you can't you can't do that. Like they're basically giving Arsenal possession and then not defending well, and they're they're not really effective on the counter right now either. I mean, Son is I don't know what's happened to him this season. He was great last year, but he's not really doing anything. You know, they're they're starting different midfielders each week to try to make something happen. They're starting a lot of different wingbacks. Like they, they, they're rotating the squad a little bit and just, just nothing seems to work. And I think a lot of it comes down to they're not a good defensive team and they're playing five at the back and trying to counter. And they're just getting walked all over by some of these teams. I mean, I, I think one thing before we get into the Conte thing, I, it, it's safe to say that Lloris is just totally washed at this point, right? I mean, he is a liability. Yeah, he, yeah he's past it he for was sure. I'm surprised to see him... It, yeah, I was surprised to see him in net for France. I was just going to say that, um, you know, and you've got to think that they're going to move from him, you know, and the the, under, the other end of the pitch, there's um, Ramsdale, who's, you know, in his early mid-20s. I think he's, what, 24 or something like that. Very young. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and played, you know, out of his skin in the second half, right? And, and uh, yeah, so I think Loris is going to go, I wonder who they replace him with i mean there's a lot of young keepers out there that they could bring in like i I don't really think it you know i'm not like super concerned oh who they're gonna replace him with but they should replace him and i'm sure they'll have options but the other thing is like right now with where they're at you it seems really really dire for them because the form has been so bad as of late they're conceding so many goals they're still in fifth in the table right they're they're five points behind newcastle six behind united and city so like they're very, very much in the race to the top four still somehow. Um, but I, I just don't think that it makes any sense for them to be giving more money to Antonio Conte in the transfer window in January here. Like, I, I don't really see any future 
for Spurs that involves Conte past this season. I, if I were them, I'd probably just move on right now, maybe give a new manager like a week to, to bring in a player or two potentially in this window. But you're just going to be throwing more money at, at a guy who doesn't want to be there long term. And I just don't think it makes sense. I mean, they gave him a ton of money over the summer and Spurs are not historically huge spenders. He brought in a lot of guys. None of them are really playing well, right? Like, you spend a ton on Richarlison. He's been banged up. You get Basuma. He hasn't been very good. There's there's a lot of guys that they've been bringing in. Kulisevsky has been a little bit banged up. He's pretty good, but I, I just don't really see any future with Spurs and Antonio Conte. I think it makes more sense to move on sooner rather than later. I don't really see the mystique of a guy like that. Like I think a lot of these clubs get infatuated with the resumes of some of these managers like Antonio Conte, Jose Mourinho, Thomas Tuchel. And it's like these guys are just they're like short term options that will just the second things get tough, they're going to leave. And like that's not what Spurs should be having. Uh, like That's like a Chelsea manager, right? Or or something like that. But Spurs, like you think this is a club that wants to invest in youth and be like a sustainable long term club, like kind of what, what they had with Pochettino a little bit more. I just don't think it's a good fit. And so at this point, I would probably pull the plug sooner rather than later. Yeah, I agree. I think they should move. And I think it's interesting you mentioned Chelsea there because I think Potter would almost be like a great appointment there for Spurs, right? Or Marco, or I, I, you know, I brought up Marco Silva earlier. I think he's going to get, he's, you know, people are really going to start coming for him. Or Thomas Um, Frank, you know. Yeah, or Thomas Frank quite soon. So, um, and and Spurs, yes, they're in fifth, but they're really what what they're profiting from is just how wasteful Chelsea and Liverpool have been, right? Who mm-hmm. are both in ninth and tenth, right? So, um, you know, they're kind of just uh, you know, uh, surviving a little bit. Like, you know, they they've won ten games, lost six, drawn three, um, and they're st- and they're five points back of Newcastle in fourth. Like at this point in the season, it looks like you know, they're, they're cruising to fifth place. And then, you know, if Chelsea and Liverpool can find a little bit of form or any of those other teams in the top half, you know, Villa all the way up to Brentford, Brighton, Fulham, you know, can kind of maintain some form. It it looks like some of those clubs will push for, push for fifth, but it looks like the top four, like kind of at this point is going to be Arsenal city, United, Newcastle. You can rearrange that however you want. Um, I don't know. I think it's a little bit, I like those four teams at the top. Um, Newcastle just don't really have the track record. Like I, I think that they're better and they're in a better spot than Spurs and like Liverpool, Chelsea. They're going to have to really turn it on to make a push. Uh, I don't think Fulham are going to finish in sixth, even though they've had a great start. Like Brighton are a team that the, when I watch them, I feel like and and Brentford really. I think both those teams have the potential to make a run and and make it competitive. I agree that those are probably the four best teams right now, but we're halfway through the season. So I think it's a little bit too soon to say that those are going to be set. Like I think Spurs have enough talent that if they make enough changes, I, I could see them, you know, they had to make up five points. That's nothing. There's half a season to go. Yeah. It's just like well, the way that they've been playing makes it seem like so far fetched, but they, they have the ability on, on that squad to turn things around. You'd think. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good segue when we're talking about the top four. It's a good segue to the other game in Manchester, which was City and United. Um, so th- initial reactions from that one, on, you know, pivoting over to the other Derby game. Yeah. Um, I guess initial reactions. It's a fair result in, in the sense that I think United played well enough to get three points. I hated how it went down. 
Um, it was a pretty pretty tame first half, and then you get a goal from Grealish, and then you sub down like the 57th minute scores in the 60th. He's starting to find some form for City. And the first goal for United, Bruno Fernandez, it shouldn't have counted. Like I, I have never really felt more confident in the statement with the refereeing decision. Like there's no way that the goal should have stood. Um, for people that didn't see, there was a through ball played into Rashford. He was a mile off sides. He tracked the ball the whole way, basically. Never touched it. Akanji's trailing him. Akanji, like, backs off his run because Rashford's so obviously off sides. And then Rashford, like, essentially sets a pick and allows Bruno to get a clean shot off. I don't know how it couldn't have been off sides. It was shocking. They reviewed it. They let it stand. And then four minutes later, Rashford scores again in, in crazy form. That was his uh, seventh straight match with a goal. And uh, I, I don't think it was really an unfair result, but the way that it happened, it, sh- it shouldn't have, in my opinion. But I, I, if you're Man City at this point, like things have not looked good as of late. Um, I don't know if I would say like they should really be panicking, but you know their selection has been a little bit in question, right? Cancelo hasn't been playing that consistently. Um, who was one of their key players last season? Holland hasn't scored in a couple of matches now. I don't know. Things are looking feeling a little bit weird. Foden hasn't been very good. What, I don't know. What are your thoughts overall? I guess I, I'd, I'd be more excited as a United fan right now. They're way more on the up and up, even with their draw with Palace today, than City have been over the last few weeks. Yeah, I think so. I, I think the it's interesting to assess where both of the clubs are at, and I think there's I think there's a, a level that. Arsenal and City are, um, and you can kind of look at it in goal difference in the, in the table. So Arsenal's in first in the table on 47 points on a 28 goal differential. City, Man City are in second with the exact same goal differential, but on 39 points. And then in third is Manchester United with 39 points tied with Man City after their draw today, but only with a goal differential of eight. Okay, so it's a, a, a 20 less goal, goal differential. And I think what that sort of illustrates is Ten Hag's got his team down playing very quite frankly very good defensive football right they're very good defensively they've got good defenders world-class defenders and Rafael Varane Luke Shaw the rotating guys like Lissandro Martinez the rotating guys in like um, Aaron Wan-Bissaka Tyrell Malassia um, Diego Dallo who are all you know internationals um and and harry Maguire, the captain for england can't get a game in nor can victor lindelof so i think that's a very deep and strong defensive line and i think what's in, in standing in front of that line is casemiro who's just proving that i mean what a world-class signing he's been in that holding midfield just breaks up so much and then you know uh fernandez and, and erickson are very intelligent around the middle of the pitch and make it difficult to find obvious space on on the counterattack. so I think Ten Hag's got that team playing a very strong defensive game, and that's why their goal differential is eight, and they're winning a lot of games one nil, two one, right? Um, and and that was the score of this game against United. City kind of have another level of dominance where they can turn the screw and kind of beat you four five nil. I don't think United have that level yet. Um, uh, because I think it's a more defensive-oriented team, and they're really kind of getting by, just kind of with balls over the top to Rashford, right? Um, and Anthony hasn't been that good, and you know they just, they sort of out by course today. So I think there's a little bit of improvement bad. that they'll make. Uh, yeah, it wasn't that bad, but I think that that's they're relying on sort of one outlet, right, for for a lot of their attacking movement. 
Whereas City can beat you in a lot of different ways, right? Like they get goal production from Mares, uh, Jack Grealish is getting on the score sheet, KDB assisting, Holland obviously it's it's well uh, well spoken of, and so um, I think City are more on the line of uh, are on the level of of Arsenal, um, but uh, City just aren't making mistakes in or uh, sorry Arsenal aren't making mistakes in key games, and City are right like. Um, and, and, and that decision went against them, of course, the offside decision. And then the, the following goal, they conceded to Garnacho isn't great with, with a disorganized defensive line. So, um, you know, I, the, the result was just another, like, when City are dropping points, it kind of feels like the world's going against them a little bit. But that's the Premier League. They still won 12, drawn three, lost three, right? Like, one of those draws is Everton. Damari Gray hits an absolute banger, and they nick, you know, they take two points off City. And then, you know, that result against United, they drop three points there. So they're they're not in great form right now and they're kind of bleeding like two to three points here and there. Right. Um, and ultimately Arsenal are just humming so much that it, it might be difficult to catch them. Right. Um, and so I think, I, I don't know, it's a long way of me saying, I think if you're a city, you don't panic. Pep is probably really frustrated and maybe even panicking a little bit, but I think it's just a reflection of so some small things have kind of gone against them and they're just missing kind of that X factor. Whereas, you know, Arsenal kind of have all of those things going yeah. for them, you know, right now. Pep, Pep comes out and says like, you know, it's time for someone else to win. We can't win the Premier League this year, which is obviously a little bit ridiculous to say. There's a lot of time left, but they they do feel a little bit sloppy. Um, and like a little bit less clinical than they have been. There's, you're right. Like that Everton game is a perfect example of a game where like Arsenal wouldn't concede there. This this team, like they they Correct. see out those wins. Correct. And uh, I don't know. I'm not really worried about City, but if Holland goes like another two games without scoring, that's a little bit concerning. Like he he's obviously unbelievably talented, but he doesn't totally fit into their style of play that they've played with under Pep for years. And so I don't know if that's going to have like much of an effect long term or not. That they kind of have to, you know, like hoofing balls into Holland is like what you really should be doing when you have a guy like that. And that's not really the way that they've played over time. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Um, and you have, you have Julian Alvarez who <laughs> had a great World Cup and I can't really see the pitch. I, I almost feel like he deserves a little bit more playing time too. But going back to United. I, I mentioned this last time we recorded a couple weeks back, but I, I think Casemiro is just unbelievable. Uh, watching him today and watching him over the weekend, like he he does so much for that team. He just basically just like in terms of like mistakes from defenders, he just like cleans everything up. Like you, there's like lapses defensively in positioning and things like that that you don't even see because Casemiro's just there. His anticipation is insane. He's such a strong tackler. He's very, very smart. I would say that he's been one of the best players in the Premier League this season. And then Christian Eriksen, how crazy of a story does he have? I mean, he's been really, really yeah. good as of late. Like, he should, he has no right to be this good at this age. And then, especially everything that happened. I mean, he was playing at Brentford last season, and people didn't think he was even going to like do anything there. Like, he has been an immense player for them. So, the problem that United have had for the last few years is the midfield has been inconsistent, sloppy, all these complaints about Fred and McTominay playing and Matic and all these guys. And, you know, now it's, you write it into the team sheet, it's Casemiro, it's Erickson, it's Bruno, and it's hard to really beat those three. So I think that's been so, so key for them. And I, I do believe in their defenders more than I have. I think Varane's obviously world-class. Luke Shaw is in great form. 
So uh, Wampasaka is now in starting with for uh, injured Dallo, and he's been really good. He had a couple of huge tackles today, a game-saving one, an injury time on Zaha, where he chased him down and had a just ridiculous tackle in the box to save save two point or save a point from them. But I mean, I don't know. I feel really good about the direction that the club's going. We talked about Sen Hag last time too, but he just seems like he's got everything really under control um, and going the way he wants it to. And I, I just feel like give him one more summer and they, this team could definitely challenge next year. I don't know about this season. It's going to be a little bit tough, but um, you know, these are the two threats yeah, I, for I, Arsenal. So one of them is going to have to really make a push. They're, they're both eight points back now and Arsenal have a lot of momentum. Uh, we're going to see United against Arsenal this weekend without Casemiro. So That'll be a huge, huge match. And Spurs play City tomorrow, the four teams we just talked mm-hmm. about. Those are going to be really pivotal matches for both the Manchester clubs. And if Arsenal get three points against uh, United, then it, it's going to be really hard to catch them the longer this goes on. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, United are the only team who's beaten Arsenal this season, yep. right? Um, so, and, and I, I don't know. I Just watching that Palace game today, I thought that that is just the only... That's the blip for the current United team, right? Like... Um, they play a, a, such a defensive orient, defensive, defensive, defensively strong style. They didn't really push on and get the second goal, and then Palace, you know, their their pressure mounted up, and a moment of brilliance from Elise, mm-hmm. you know, f- for, forces the draw, right? And so I think for United to be title contenders, you know, they're they're going to need to buy a number nine in the in the summer, and maybe you know Sancho kind of finds his way back to <laughs> that fitness and form. Crazy story. Um, and and then can be kind of a complimentary winger to the you know Rashford Anthony sort of rotation. Garnacho, and, and, who is big, um, playing a bigger role yeah. now too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, but I think it, you know all in all, there's still like you said a lot of time this season, and, and a lot of people are sort of making making moves. So let's let's pivot over to uh, the the transfer window updates. Um, you can start with our first update, Chris, and we'll just kind of like comb down comb down the list here. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, this one was the most talked about transfer, I'd say, so far. And it really took a turn at the last minute, the 11th hour, as they say over there. Um, because uh, Michalo Mudrik, I'm, I hope I'm saying his first name close to right, but uh, uh, Ukrainian winger for Shakhtar, uh, he was heavily linked with Arsenal for weeks. Uh, it seemed like they were very close to getting a deal done. That's a big move for Arsenal. You don't really see Arsenal spending close to $100 million on signings. I know they signed uh, Pepe for, I think, like around $60, $70 million. I don't know if they've ever spent more than that in a player. So this is this would have been a big, big signing for them. And at the very end, I didn't really see much until maybe two to three days before it actually went through. Chelsea swoops in. Todd Bowley, American with deep pockets, is like, hey, Arsenal want this guy. We better get him instead. Um, and I assume they were keeping an eye on him, but it seemed like it was kind of out of nowhere. Uh, 22-year-old, he's been really good this season. Um, seven goals, seven assists so far in uh, his league in Ukraine. And then he's also got three goals and two assists in six uh, Champions League group games for Shakhtar. I, th- I believe I saw that he clocked the highest uh, speed out of anybody in the Champions League so far this season, too. So he's very pacey. Um, it's interesting with Chelsea. So they're, they're spending $70 million up front. It could go up to $100 million. I saw that they have like a Ballon d'Or clause in there. So like there's some crazy stuff in there. But obviously Chelsea are extremely banged up right now. I mean, they have more injuries than any other team in the league. Uh, this guy, I haven't really watched him that much. Um, it seems like they've got a lot of lingers and attackers, though. 
So it, it's a little bit puzzling to me to an extent, unless they plan on moving on from a lot of them. But like, I don't really like this. The, the way I read about this guy, like, it seems like he's got a little bit of similarities to Christian Pulisic. They already have Sterling, who's there. They got Ziyech. They got a million different wingers that aren't really effective for them right now. So you'd hope this guy can come in and contribute right away. Um, I think that's Adam like an eight year deal as well. But what, what are your thoughts initially on it? Yeah, I it, it's so Mudrik, um little tidbit on him. He ca- came to prominence actually during COVID and lockdown. He was posting like techers and skills on his Instagram story and like something went viral on like Instagram Reels or TikTok or something. So he got a bunch of followers and then his image kind of blew up um and then turned out he was actually like really good at football too, not just kind of like doing trick shots and skills on video. Um and and then during this during these like kind of like transfer rumors, he's been posting like very actively on Instagram like cryptic messages and emojis. You know when he's like linked with Arsenal, he was posting like uh, you know like the prayer emoji on his story. You know hoping that a move would materialize. And then you know and then he he goes to Chelsea and and so you know I hope Mudrik is an electric player and is good. Especially it'd be nice to see another strong Ukrainian player um, in in the Premier League, but. I, I, I'm, I've said this to you in a couple other discussions, Chris, but I am very interested with the Chelsea project and what's going on. They're not playing well this season. They don't look good. They've got youth coming. They've got academy players coming through. They're buying or spending a ton of money. Um, and they're, all these contracts, they're, they're signing players on eight, nine-year deals um, this is the, uh, another player they signed on like an eight year deal. And I've read some, I read somewhere it's so they can like more effectively stagger contracts through FFP. Yeah. Um, and, and they're also sick of losing players on, uh, for free for nothing like Andreas Christensen, they lost in the summer and Antonio Rudiger. So they're just signing players on huge, they're taking like a, a, a different logic to contract negotiations and quite frankly to, you know, to transfer negotiations with some of these like structured deals, a lot of upfront money, money going out over time. I don't really know sort of how they're making all of that work through FFP. You know, I I need, you know, deeper financial analysis, but um, all that being said, I'm just kind of confused with like what their objective is, where they're trying to sign. They just got Joe Felix on a couple month loan if, does that mean they're trying to win now, but then they're signing all these guys who are like 21, 22, so are they trying to build for the future? Are they going to sack Potter because they're not getting results, or are they going to stick with him because they have this project? Like, I just don't really know, and I can't identify a trend in their business that they're doing. Yeah, I mean, they signed Mudrik, who's 22. They signed Benoit, Badashile, who's 21 from Monaco, center back, which they 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 got plenty of those too, it seems like. And then uh, David Datro-Fafana, um, who's 20, and yeah, I, I believe it was Batty Ashile who was like also like seven or eight years or something. But mm-hmm. it, it's interesting. I mean, <laughs> it, it, there's a lot of memes and stuff going around on Twitter and the internet about Todd Bowley. And it's like, oh, there's a player linked with the club. Bowley's going to swoop in and make sure he gets there first. And like, it's a little bit of a joke right now with how much money they're spending. So really not getting the results. They did finally get a win over the weekend. Um, but it was not super convincing, right? They, um, they won one nil against palace. So <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, I do believe in Graham Potter. I just don't know if it's the right fit. Like, I'm not sure if they're going to give him the time that he needs to see this out. Um, 
And the, the, the signings are a little bit all over the place. I do think Mudrick's talented, so if he can come in and make an impact, it'll make sense. But you're right, I mean, you get Jal Felix, he gets sent off in the first game for a pretty bad tackle, and that's already three games out of his, like, 20 that he would have been eligible for that he can't play in, and it, which is yeah, like, for just... an insane loan fee. It just seems, like, very irresponsible financially. I guess it's his money, not mine, but you're right. The FFP thing could come into play, and if that does, that would be an absolute disaster for them. So they got to be very careful. Yeah, it's just the margins are so fine, right? Like, they're buying all these players, and, like, you look at Arsenal, who have, the, have had this, like, cohesive strategy where they've spent, you know, good money on players like Ben White, Ramsdale, um, you know, Thomas Partey. Odegaard. And, and bring it, yeah, Odegaard. But, but they're, 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 and then they kind Zinchenko. of phase some players out of the squad. Yeah, Zinchenko, Gabriel Jesus. But, you know, they seem to be sort of like a, I don't know, at least an objective, right? They weren't just kind of like signing all these players. And Chelsea just feel like they're signing all these players. And I can't tell if they want to win now or win later. And the margin is so fine. Like Jao Felix is a great example, right? You get this guy on loan for a couple months that, okay, maybe, yeah, you want to win now, but then you can't just like take a player, throw him into a squad and watch it work, right? Like, um, you know, he needs to understand position, you know, how to play with his, with his teammates positionally, where to be in, in different systems. He's got to learn set piece routines, all these things. And, you know, he has a, a quick moment where he's new to the Premier League, goes in with a high challenge, red card, right? Like, so I don't know. It's just the, the margins are so fine. And I just, I, I wonder if they think that they can um, kind of buy success quicker than it can come to them. And and just all these projects that have shown, like, it just doesn't happen straight away, right? And I think on the opposite end of the coin, you see Newcastle who are taking a, who have all the money in the world, who are taking a much more calculated kind of slower incremental approach to this, um, you know, and they're f- far higher on the table. It's, right? it's so, blowing my mind um, how affected Newcastle have been with their business. It, it's just crazy, honestly. Um, yeah. every They haven't missed on a single well, signing. Yeah, and they're about to phase out Chris Wood and some of the you know older contracts that they have now that they needed um, during survival. But um, speaking of phasing out, uh, Valtberg Horse, we talked about him earlier. He joined Manchester United on loan from Burnley via Besiktas. So that's a whole kind of weird transfer. Yeah, um, so they had he, to like recall him from Besiktas, where he I think he had nine goals so far for them this season. He was fairly effective, and now he's like a three million. Uh, pound fee for a season-long loan or, you know, half a season, I guess, at this point. Um, and, I mean, he had a good World Cup in a way, to be fair. He got subbed on, scored two goals. He wasn't really good for Burnley last season. But I, I got to ask you this. How crazy would I have sounded if, like, in the beginning of the season, someone someone says that Valt Veghorst is going to play a bigger role for Man United this season than Cristiano Ronaldo? Because there's a chance that that's true. Yeah. I mean, he started today. Was, I was kind of surprised, but he jumps right into the squad. He wasn't bad. Um, he wasn't amazing, but he did okay. But he, he could be I, a pretty I, big I, player for them this season, which is insane. Yeah. I really hope that Val Beghorst scores and then his first goal and then he does like the Sue oh Like how funny would that be? Like that's you're right, that's a wild take. I would have been like, what are you talking about? That's nuts. It's a it's a wild move. I kind of respect it because it's kind of like what we talked about with Ten Hag, where he doesn't really have that big of an ego. I think he's willing to just play the team he thinks is gonna give him the best chance to win, you know, like being able to bench Harry Maguire, being able to phase out Ronaldo. Um, like those are guys that they spend a lot of money on that are high profile that he just said, Hey, like you're not cutting it. It's not going to work out. We got to win games. And 
I mean, if he thinks Veghorst is going to help, then <laughs> I don't think he's really any worse than Anthony Martial. So it could work out. It's, it's weird, though. Like, it's not a club that, or not a signing you'd expect a club like that to be making in January. It seems like very much like, oh, oh crap, like, we need a little bit of depth. We got some guys banged up. Like, this guy can come in and fill in and give a start spot or something. But I don't know. It's It's an odd one. Yeah, and and other business we've got Pablo Sarabia, um, who went to Wolves via PSG for about five mil, uh, five million pounds. I quietly, Chris, don't look now. I think uh, Wolves look all right under Julian Lopetegui. Um, I think they're, I think they're, they're playing good football. I think they'll comfortably stay up, um, and you know they've. I think there's some good talented players in that team, especially Matias Cunha, who they just brought in. Mm-hmm. And then you add, you know, a Spanish international to the central midfield, Spanish head coach. I think that'll be a seamless, a nice, smooth transition, easy fit. I, I like them too at this point. I really don't see them going down. I They got to make sure that they're not really playing Diego Costa. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, he, he's not doing anything. But I guess they signed Matias Cunha. They have Paulo Gatis, who's like still kind of getting into the swing of things. They just got Sarabia. They have Matias Cunha. They brought Nunez, in like, Mar- the- they brought in uh, Mario Lamina as well. Yeah, I, I think they brought in a lot of quality players. Um, and, you know, we haven't even mentioned guys like Neto, like Priore, like Odens, who are all good on their day. Um, but I think this team is just too talented to go down. And they and I think Lopate is a good enough manager that they should be okay. And I don't even think it's going to be that stressful for them down the stretch. Yeah, and looking at the bottom me of the too. table, it's extremely tight. There's uh, six or seven clubs. Uh, within two points of each other from the bottom after uh, Southampton got their win last weekend. So, I don't know. I think if you look at those clubs, I think Wolves are in a good spot. I still think Leeds are probably going to be okay. And then Bournemouth, Southampton, Everton, I think are all really in trouble. And then West Ham and Leicester are like both on the verge of sacking their managers. And seem like they have too much talent to go down. And then I haven't even mentioned Forrest because Forrest has gotten two huge wins back-to-back here. Um, I don't know. I think Wolves will be fine. Um, and I think they've made some smart signings. Like The thing that you look at with Wolves is they make these signings that don't reek of desperation a lot of the time. Like the Diego Costa one kind of does. But a lot of the rest of their signings are like highly touted younger players who you think will have a really good future with the club. It doesn't. They don't seem like they're planning for like a relegation battle they seem like they're still planning for more of a long-term strategy yeah agreed uh, i think i think wolves will be all right I th- it's gonna be interesting i think bournemouth are down i think everton are down as well um and then it's about who who gets kind of sucked into that right is it southampton is it leicester is it forest southampton um you know just uh like our start starting to look a little bit better under Nathan Jones, but and James Ward Prowse might just it. do it on his own for them. You know, yeah. like he might just will <laughs> them to stay up. But um, yeah, outside and, of that, we got, um, so we kind of mentioned Arsenal going after Mudrick, but they are still linked with a move. Um, I think it's pretty clear that Arteta one that wants to add some depth. I'm seeing them mostly linked with wingers. Um, after the Mudrick deal didn't go through, I saw a lot of links with Musa Diaby from the Bundesliga, 23-year-old, really pacey, uh, could fit right in there. There's, I mean, I swear every year for the last five years, they've been linked with Wolf Zaha, but Zaha's out of contract in the summer. It seems like there's a decent chance that he could go just because there's not a lot of promise in the talks there. 
Um, that would make sense as a depth signing, Premier League proven. Do you think that they need somebody at this point to ensure that they're they're going to, you know, stay in this race to the end of the season? Or do you think that they have a chance to see this title out without any more reinforcements? I think it, it, it I, I'll say I think they have a chance without any more reinforcements, tongue in cheek assuming they don't get any kind of devastating injuries, right? Like, they're already one injury down with uh, Jesus. If Saka goes down or Martinelli goes down for a month or two, and you're starting then Emile Smith-Rogue with regularity, um, then, you know, I think they... Then it starts to get a little dicey. Um, they also have Fabio, you know, Fabio Vieira, but I think they probably need another player on the outside. Um and I think if one of their wingers goes down, soccer Martinelli with an injury, they're they they are in a little bit of trouble. But you know those guys are young; they've been healthy. They have no European conquests that they're you know faffed about. So I think they'll be fine pending those two. Yeah, I think so. But I think they will sign somebody before the window closes. Um, and then last team I wanted to mention, unless you have any other ones, is just Villa. They've made a couple of moves. Unai Emery getting involved in the transfer market. Uh, first one, Alex Moreno, left back in theory, to provide some competition for Luca Dean, I imagine. But 29-year-old from Real Betis, about $14 million for the transfer. He came in a little bit earlier than expected. Uh, I think he had just gotten with the club probably for a couple of days. And on Friday, uh, Dean gets a shoulder injury about five minutes into the game. Moreno comes on. He looked great. Um, really, really classy. He was involved in the attack a bit. A couple of good stops defensively. So that could be a seamless fit for them. Um, and they, they definitely needed the depth on the outside. And then John Duran, uh, they just signed a 19-year-old striker who's playing for the Chicago Fire, Colombian International, about $16 million. That seems like a little bit more of a signing for the future. I'm not sure how involved they'll get this season, but big athletic striker. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know much, much about um, John Duran, but it seems exciting. Like, you know, it's one of those where everyone gets excited on like Twitter, right? He's like this 19 year old big striker could be the next drug, blah, 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 blah. Um, I hope, you know, I, I do. And it kind of reminds me of when they first signed Christian Menteke, right? Um, how excited Villa were way back when. So hopefully he ends up being a player and we could use a really strong kind of towering out and out number nine, especially as Danny Ings gets older and, and Ollie runs, runs the channels. Um, and then I thought Moreno looked really classy against um, Leeds, really on, on a defense on his front foot. So, you know, wants to get forward, wants to cut passes off, doesn't want to kind of keep retreating. Um, and that's sort of a, as Unai Emery runs a 4-4-2, you know, you need your defensive players to be able to attack as well. Um, and so that's the profile that Moreno fits. And I thought he looked really classy against Leeds in his debut. Agreed, agreed. And it's good to see Emery getting some of his own guys in. Uh, so we'll see if they make any more splashes before the window closes. Um, let's do a quick hit in the fantasy corner, bringing it back. I'll let you take the lead on this one. Yeah. Bring it back. So I've got I've got three statements to make from the fantasy corner. Fantasy has been rough for uh, Ridge FPL, so that's my Twitter handle. It's been rough for me this year. Um, one thing I have called correctly and I am feeling good about is uh, Matoma over from Brighton. Matoma Madness. I'm a Matoma man. Um, he's been he was subbed on for Japan in the World Cup and looked really classy. Ended up getting the assist on that controversial goal that was kind of over the line or was it over the line, depending on what angle you look at. Um, and he's been great for Brighton. Um, he's returned in all but one game since the since returning from the World Cup. And if you just watch Brighton play, this man passes the eye test, right? He he 
he just he's nasty off of the dribble. Um, and if he can kind of find a way to get a little bit more goals and assists around his game, like he's always capable of beating the first man, which is you know what you primarily want out of a winger. Um, so I'm a big fan. You can get him for five mil. He's he's rising on price. A lot of bursts um, from him. Him and, and then, him and Sully March playing a big role with Trossard uh, falling out with the manager and everything. So yeah, I like Matomo a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and then I think the the uh, other take is like I I've been holding off on jumping on Arsenal for like all season. Like, well, they're not gonna be like I I have this like voice in the back of my head that like Liverpool's gonna be good eventually, and Arsenal are gonna fall off. Like Trent Trent Alexander Arnold will rise back to prominence, and Arsenal are gonna fall off. And I think I'm gonna sit here on this podcast and say you've got to embrace the times. I think Liverpool's window is gone this season, and. I think it's Arsenal's title to lose, and if they're running, if they're on this title run. I think Martin Odegaard is the new Kevin De Bruyne. The man is the highest scoring midfielder in the game. I'm try, doing everything I can to try and figure out how to get him in my team, um, and he's much cheaper than KDB as well. So uh, that's my take on Martin Odegaard. He's the new KDB. I, I don't hate it. I don't think he's necessarily the new KDB, but he's looked great. I've had Saka and Martinelli for a while. Both of them doubled up. Um, would love to bring in Odegaard for Martinelli, but it's going to be a little bit tricky. But yeah, I mean, the Arsenal midfield assets have been huge. That's where they get all their goals from, as those midfielders. So, uh, and you're right, they're, they're a lot cheaper than the premium guys like KDB, like Salas, and all that. So I, I like Odegaard right. and- a lot. Thinking about their goal differential, like they're they've scored they've scored forty two goals this season. Man City scored forty six, both in eighteen games. So only scored as a team four less goals than Man City, right? And everyone knows about Holland's crazy goal scoring record, right? About how how many goals he's gotten, yada yada yada. You know, Arsenal don't have that, right? Gabriel's uses hurt, and Ketia's got a few, and and so so many of those goals are coming from that. The you know the those three. Um, kind of uh, mid, three attacking midfielders right right below the striker yep. uh, Nodegaard, Saka and Martinelli. Um and then lastly this is an obvious one too but I you've got I've got to accept it again I'm I'm, I'm kind of like this is a coming to terms with the reality fantasy corner for me but Newcastle just don't concede goals. Um they have the best defense in the league by some ways having only conceded 11 goals in 19 games this season the next best defense is arsenal's conceded 14 city's conceded 18 and there isn't any other team that's conceded less than 20 goals um so it, i mean their defense is ridiculous nick pope and goal is great um and then everybody pretty much has Kieran trippier so find ways to get as many newcastle defenders in your team as possible yeah i, I brought um, and in and I was just gonna say I brought in the bot man Sven uh, right after the World Cup, and I've been doubling up ever since. I, I Trippier has been amazing; he's been their best player. But uh, I think Sven Botman is low key one of the best center backs in the Premier League right now. Um, doesn't get talked about that much. Ooh, that is a take. Chris. I mean, they've they've five straight clean sheets for Newcastle, five straight. Uh, they're they're on fire defensively, and he's a fixture in that team. They've only conceded eleven goals in nineteen matches, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, well, Fabian shared. There's a shout too. Yeah. Big Dan Burn playing at left back, uh, playing at left back as well, um, and and they they do defend really well as a team. Uh, I think that combative midfield helps right with Longstaff, Joe Ellington, etc. Yeah. Um, but but that's all we got for the fantasy corner. Matoma Madness, Odegaard, the new KDB, and Newcastle don't concede goals. Love it. All right, we'll bring it back for next time. Trivia time. Trivia I'm time, sweating. mate. I'm so, nervous. I oh man, it's here been a, we go. It's been a long time since I've done trivia on the right. pod, and it is really easy to look stupid. Um, so I'm right. <laughs> buckling up over here. We'll, we'll see what happens. 
Calibrate, calibrate, calibrate. So I'm going to give you a minute. Okay. So we got a minute on the clock. Um, and if you get the, if you get all of these, I will be very impressed. Let me just say that. So I'm not looking for you to get all of them, but if you can get half of them, I'll consider that a fail or success rather. Um, I guess. Yeah. So half of them would be a success. Okay. So there are, there are currently six players in the premier league who have played every minute for their premier league teams that are not goalkeepers. Okay. Okay. So six players who have played every minute for their team. That is an outfield player and not a goalkeeper. Okay. Um, I'm going to start. Who are those six players? I'm going to start your timer now. Uh, Tyrone Mings. No. Um, yeah, he didn't play much earlier in the season. Um, not Kieran Trippier. Nope. Okay. Pinkton Defenders, Gabriel. Yes, he is one. Okay. Um, no, from, from City, I don't think. Not Rodri, right? Nope. Um, not Casemiro. There's no one from United. Nope. Um, <clears throat> let me think. Let me think. Uh, not Thiago Silva, right? Correct. Nope. Um, Harry Kane? Nope. I gotta think lower league guys. Uh, James Tarkovsky? Yes, he is two. You've got two. Okay. And you've got 15 seconds remaining. Oh my god, it's so fast. The time goes so quick. Willie Bali, no. I'm trying to think. Oh god. Um, 60 seconds is so short. It is short. I'm actually gonna give you a bonus. Yes, oh mate. God, well done. Okay. Okay. You just call it. That's three. That's three. actually right on time. Oh my god. That's actually three right on That's time. Right question. on time. So, um, wow. I, I'm I'm honestly a little bit impressed with myself for getting three. I think I could get more if I had more time. I'm just trying to go through teams right now. Um, are there any Leicester players on there? I can't imagine there are. No, there aren't. No outfield players. No. Fulham. They have any? Uh, nope. No Fulham outfield players. This is a tough one, man. That's a good question. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, so, so you, there, there are six. You, you just to recap, you got Gabrielle. Yep. You got James, James Tarkovsky, and James Ward Prowse. So the two Jameses. Like that. Um, right. Ben Me. No, not Ben Me. Uh, the 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 remaining two are two center backs. So you obviously identified the center back trend with Gabrielle and Tarkovsky. Yeah. So the remaining two are two center backs, and one is a uh, central holding midfielder. Um, similar to JWP, captain of his club. Okay. Um, I might need to get the clubs on some of these, but, um, mm-hmm. hmm? so, uh, the, the players are from, uh, I'm not, I won't give you the, the, the players are from Wolves, Brighton and West Ham. Ruben Neves. No. Declan Rice. Correct. Yes. Okay. So Declan Rice is the holding midfielder. You said it was Wolves and what was the other one? Newcastle. Uh, nope. No, Wolves and Brighton. Brighton. Okay. Um, so center backs from those two clubs, man, I don't even know if this is good radio at this point, but it's not Lewis. <laughs> it's not Lewis Dunk, right? Yep. That's, that's uh, one more. And then you're just missing one. Um, and then you're just missing one. Okay. So it, just a Wolves center back then. I actually said Willie Bali, who former Wolves center back. He's been playing for uh, Forrest, but that was a terrible guess. Right when I said it, I feel like an idiot. Um, is it <laughs> is it Kilman? 
Yes, it's Max That's Kilman. Crazy. Well done. That's crazy that he's played every minute. Like he, I mean, he's. I think he's a solid young player. But so bonus bonus question: Who is the player who's played the most minutes in the Premier League this season? Hasn't played every minute for his club, and I'll give you a hint: He's American. Brendan Aronson. No. Oh, he's played a ton. Right. Um, oh, so. Wait, wait. He's, you said he's an American. He's played the most minutes, but he hasn't played out of et- every minute. Wait, is it? A, a... So there's one team. So there's one team who's played 20 games in the Premier League. Tim Ream. Yes, wow. correct. Well done, Chris. Wow. Well done. So Tim Ream's played the most minutes, but he was subbed off in the 88th in one game. Gotcha. Um, and there's also a handful of players who have played every minute of all available games without suspension. So those. Those players who played every minute without uh, avail when when available are Bruno Fernandez, um, Mark Gahey, Mohamed Salasu, and Ruben Neves, but have all missed a game through suspension. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, uh, Brendan Aronson actually has played on though. I, I kind of felt like that was right when I guessed it. Um, but okay, I like that question a lot. That was a good one. Yeah. So uh, just especially interesting to see some of those. Um, obviously, there's you know some of those. A lot of center backs there. Tarkovsky, Kilman. Uh, so to recap, listeners, again, trivia time. You had six players who played every minute of all their team's Premier League games this season. Declan Rice, JWP, Tarkovsky, Max uh, Kilman, Gabrielle from Arsenal, Lewis Dunk um, from Brighton. Shout out all That's impressive. Yeah, this is all looked up by by me, the, the user. N- didn't come from an article. This is straight just looking at how many games teams have played and adding up the minutes. So there's errors probably um, is what you're saying. There's probably, it's probably, I'm saying there's, mistakes. <laughs> well, I'm, I actually, I actually started, I started counting it and I was like, wait, there's way more than I thought, thought. And then I started realizing that Bruno, Ruben Neves, Salasu, Gehi had all been yeah. suspended. And the game that uh, Gehi was suspended for, for example, was a three, no loss to Fulham. Yeah. Well, I uh, remembered that Gehi didn't play. I, I thought of him for a second, but um, I did guess right. Neves, and I thought about Bruno too, but I just figured that that wasn't the case. So nice, I like that one. All right, let's uh, let's get into some predictor here before we head out. Yeah, hit us with uh, hit us with your picks. All right, so first one we've got Leicester at home against Brighton Saturday, ten a.m. Eastern. Um, I mean, Brighton are coming off of an incredible performance against Liverpool. I don't even know how much that matters because Liverpool have been really rough lately, but like Brighton looked so good. Sully March was dominant. I can't see them losing to Leicester. I really feel like Brendan Rodgers, I can't I kinda can't believe he still has a job at this point. Uh I'm gonna go two nil Brighton on this one. Yeah, I'm gonna go three nil Brighton. Um just like the Liverpool result, Matoma hat trick, Captain if you haven't been in fantasy. Captain him? No. Don't <laughs> listen to that. Jack's trying to get the overall rank of our listeners down, which literally moved the needle for him. So um, hey, I'm, I told you I'm Matoma mad. I'm Matoma mad. That's crazy, though. You're not that mad. Um, all right. Next one is uh, 12.30 Saturday, Crystal Palace home to Newcastle. Um, Palace obviously picked up a big point today against United. Newcastle, one of the hottest teams in the league. Um, this one's a tough one, man. I just Palace have been really, really rough going forward. Watching them today, they mixed up their lineup a little bit, bringing in uh, Mateta and Edward. Mateta was Awful, just god awful out there. Um, I have no confidence in him. And Newcastle is the best defense in the the league. I'm gonna go one nil Newcastle. Uh, as much as it hates, uh, I hate to, to pick against Palace, but 
So is this, this is at Selhurst again, right? It is at Selhurst. So interesting. So Palace with back-to-back games at Selhurst. So I actually think Palace at home have a better chance. I think if going to Newcastle, they'd be in trouble here. But again, we know Newcastle doesn't defense doesn't concede. I can sort. I can see this one kind of fizzling out to a nil-nil. I could too. Also, keep in mind, uh, Palace just lost uh, Joachim Anderson for about three weeks or so with a groin strain. So uh, Chris Richards started today. The American looked. I thought he looked really good. Um, but it was his first start, so I don't know if he'll play again on Saturday. I imagine he will, but um, that's a big thing to watch. Anderson and Gay are one of the best center back duos there there is out there in the Prem. So um, I don't hate nil nil though. Next one we've got Leeds at home against Brentford. This is a nine a.m. Sunday match. I'll let you go first on this one. Yeah, I think Brentford, the machine that is Brentford, uh, beats the chaos that is Leeds. Um, sort of the tactical the the kind of the measured approach versus the you know the hail mary approach and i think brentford win this one two nil um i expect a lot of goals in this game so the first match uh they played this season it was five two brentford Leeds just tend to play in wild wild games from what i've seen this season um i think that I really hated watching him because uh, he's playing against Villa, and I thought he was extremely annoying. But I, I actually really like Wilfred Noto. He had a really nice goal today in the FA Cup. Um, I think that Leeds are going to go out and get a result in this. I'm going to go 3-2. I'm expecting it to be a little bit chaotic. This will be a fun one to watch. Yeah, actually, I might revise my choice. So I, I, I said 2-0 Brentford. I'm going to go because of the goal point 2-1 Brentford. Okay. But they still win. Okay. I, I don't hate it. Um Interesting stuff with Ivan Tony. He's just still going out and scoring goals. We we don't really know if he's going to receive punishment for his gambling stuff. But yeah, what's up with that? Where does that where where does that stand? Not, right now? Every time there's a new report, I just see that he's been like charged with more breaches of it. I think he's up to like he's definitely in double digits, if not triple digits, for gambling incidents. But it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't seem like anything's actually happening. He hasn't missed any time for it from what I'm aware of. So <laughs> Yeah, like And he's still just banging in penalties like it's nobody's business. He had a great one last weekend. So I mean he's a huge player for them. If they lost him, that'd be really, really devastating. But um next match is City at home against Wolves. So keep in mind City will play tomorrow against Spurs, which we uh you know, isn't isn't on the predictor this week, but they get Wolves on Sunday. What do you like in this one? Yeah, I again I, I think Lopetegui's team is is not to be trifled with. Um but I think City City have to figure out this weird spell that they're in. I think they win this one uh two nil. Um and you know, I, I think you see Grealish back on the score sheet again. Yeah, I'm gonna go one nil city. And I, I think Grealish is a key player for them at this point where he's gonna get more starting minutes. He's starting to get into form. Mares has been a little bit iffy. Foden hasn't really kicked on, especially since the World Cup, um, and the few matches before the World Cup too. So I, I would like to see Grealish getting more involved. So I'm gonna go one nil. I think this will be a little bit of a, a tough one for City, but it seems like one they're gonna grind out three points from. And then the last one, which is the match of the weekend. We got Arsenal at home against United. I know I mentioned it earlier, but huge news with Casemiro picking up his fifth yellow card today against Palace. He won't be available, uh, which, I mean, like we talked about, massive, massive for United so far this season. I don't really know how they're going to... I I would think Fred probably plays, which that's that's a pretty big downgrade, but maybe McTominay. Um, This one, 
I think United are going to get a result. I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Wow. Um, yeah, I think United are tough to beat. And I do think, though, Arsenal, the vengeance game, like they're just going to be – this is the only team they've lost to, right? And so they're going to have a little vengeance, kind of revenge on their mind. I think they win 2-1. Um, but it's a close game. It's going to be a fun one to watch. That's definitely the, the marquee game of the weekend. And like we talked about, I mean, if Arsenal get three points there and City slips up against Spurs or Wolves, it's just going to be a sprint to the finish for them. Um, and they might not ever look back. So it's, it's really, really big for United to get a result to keep the title race close. But we'll, we'll see what happens in that one. I, I think it's going to be a very entertaining game. United played a really, really fun match to watch today against Palace. Was a lot of energy on the pitch. You know, people diving into tackles left and right. Um, and Arsenal are a very fun team to watch. So, in terms of just watching this as a neutral, I think it's going to be a very good football match and really looking forward to seeing what happens with it. Yeah. And don't forget, I, I mean, we still have to see, I think just even thinking about this, we still have to see Manchester City play Arsenal twice in the league. Right, so they play. I think end of February. I just looked it up end of February, and then end of April. Um, so they still have 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 two games against each other. Um, I, and I, I'm really interested to see, you know, kind of Arteta in full swing against Pep, um, and how those teams stack up. But that's uh, you know a whole nother game to predict. Yeah, half, we'll half a season left, so there's gonna be a lot of good ones. But this should be a good weekend. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see if City can pick up three um, and rebound tomorrow against Spurs and go into the weekend with some momentum. But, yeah, we'll, we'll be back hopefully next week or if not the week after to talk again. Yep. And uh, as always, gang, give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, we're at Ghost to Show Pod. Um, and if you want to jump in on the NBC Predictor League um, or for the NBC Predictor app, um, the league code, code is S9YQB6. So that's S9YQB6. Feel free to write that down or whatever you need to do if you want to jump in the league and make your picks. Um, it's for fun to see how you match up with all of us, but also you can win cash, big money. Um, and outside of that, Chris, I think, you know, that's it for us here. It just goes to show. Yeah. Everybody's Everybody's human. human. Yeah. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Cheers. Bye.